everybody. This is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We are diving into the deep water of investing your own money, your very own money, not letting some financial advisor do it for you, not having the financial advice priest class tell you how to talk to God. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Thank you. This is a reference to the Gutenberg Printing Press completely changing the way the world functions, uh, made the world, made literacy possible for the little guy by printing the Bible all over the place and these guys giving it away. Literacy happened, then democracy happened. And today, financial literacy is happening because of the internet. All of that valuable financial information that used to be hoarded behind high walls on Wall Street um, and and paid for at the tune of $50,000 a year for data is now available online mm-hmm. virtually free. It's just a question of how much do you want to save some time? You can pay for some tools. But if you just want the data the way you used to get it out of the library, it's free and it's fast. And you can do it all yourself. So financial literacy is now possible. And we are teaching you how to, how to take advantage of these tools that are out there now. It's pretty cool. Well, you're teaching me is what's happening here. (laughs) Yes. I'm trying to figure this stuff out. That was a good intro, though. I liked that one. You know, people say to me that they love all the different intros you give. So I don't think we should ever come up with a canned, boring intro. Okay, no canned, boring intros at all. I quite enjoy hearing the efforts every time. That's right. So um, what are we talking about? Well, so last time we ended going, what are we going to talk about next? And it occurred to me as soon as we stopped exactly what we should talk about next. Mm. And this is something that's been like gnawing away at me, but hasn't really had a voice until right at that moment somehow. So here's what it is. Mm. You taught me low so many episodes ago about like when I was first starting to learn this investing thing that I should be super careful to not invest in anything or not even really spend any time on any companies that are outside of my circle of competence. And that comes from Warren Buffett himself. He talks about, from Buffett, right? Not from Munger. Both. Both. Okay. That they have a circle of competence in investing where they know so much about those industries, those sectors, those companies that they've got the basics down. They're competent in them. And from there, it just goes into actually learning about the precise company and what's going on with it. So they have perspective on those companies. And when you taught me that, it gave me so much comfort that, first of all, I have my own circle of competence without even really having to do too much, which was crazy to me when I was so freaked out about this stuff. Um that I could actually like, oh, like I know about yoga companies and I know about organic food companies. And those ended up being things that I looked into and felt comfortable with because I had an opinion on them already. I had perspective. So here's the question. Knowing that and knowing that that's the advice and knowing that that's how I learned this stuff and is incredibly important and I think a really good way to teach. How is it? That now I am reading about companies all around outside of yoga and outside of organic food companies and outside of what I declared to be my circle of competence. 
And I see other investors doing the same. I see the gurus that we talk about, the stuff they invest in is all over the map. It seems to me totally random. They don't, it's not like they're just like, I am an expert in airlines and I invest in airline companies. No, they invest in all sorts of things. You invest in all sorts of things. How does this circle of competence thing work in real life past like the beginning stage? Hmm. So you think I invest in all kinds of things. Like there's just virtually anything. No, I think that stuff that's too hard, you throw out. That's what I do too. Mm -hmm. But I have seen you invest in a number of what seem to me to be unrelated types of companies. Right. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about kind of developing the circle of competence. Because, okay. you know, I've been doing this for almost 40 years. And what you find is you start off, if you do this well, you start off with a very, very intense focus on one area of the market, right? Yeah, which was so great right. to, to know something already about companies when I was so scared. Right. So in our workshop, what we do is have people begin in the first morning um, to develop and we actually have them do this as homework before they show up at the workshop to develop what we call their three circles. And that is a way of getting people to look at um, their lives and what they already know a lot about and translate that into a group of companies that they could begin to explore as in a long-term investment. So we, we do aggressively try to bring everybody into their own personal circle of competence, Right. By right. focusing on what you already know. So that's good. But when you're looking at <laughs> investors that have been around for a while, you're, you're now seeing, wow, Buffett invests in a wide range of things. So does Munger. Mm -hmm. So does my dad. Mm -hmm. So do other investors that you look at that are good mm -hmm. investors. And so you're, you're asking basically, why is that? Why haven't you just stuck with, you know, Guns and cruise ships, or something, right? Why, why, guns how did and it motorcycles? I believe guns it and was motorcycles. And why did it expand to Apple Computer or to you know other companies that we're looking at to, to Chipotle Mexican Grill? So, what, what we know is that life is deeply interconnected and companies are deeply interconnected, and it is almost impossible to investigate one company and go deep into an industry without it bleeding into other industries very, very quickly. Have you seen oh, that? that's a already? very interesting thing to say. That's a very interesting thing to say. So you're oh, saying you. as you research Harley-Davidson motorcycles, mm -hmm. you're learning stuff that is applicable to other kinds of companies. Sure, yeah, just in the most simplistic sure. way. You look at Harley-Davidson motorcycles and you look at the industry it competes in, which is larger than just motorcycles. It's recreational vehicles. In mm -hmm. fact, the company that competes closest to Harley is Indian Motorcycles. It's a retrograde mm -hmm. motorcycle that's coming back. And it's owned by Polaris, which is a recreational vehicle company that owns other kinds of recreational vehicles. So mm -hmm. almost without doing anything, you slide into industries that are broader than just that narrow focus that you have. Yeah, that's totally true. Okay, so now do that for 10 years or five years or two years, 
And you find inevitably you begin to fight a tendency to be like a little bumblebee and fly out of your circle of competence where you have the flower and fly over to some other flower that is the same color, Mm -hmm. right? It's connected through something, the same color, and it's... You land in that one, and then while you're there, you find, oh, there's another flower. It's a different color, but it's a very similar kind of flower. And you go to that one. Mm-hmm. And are you seeing this already? Is that how how it's hard to stay focused on one thing for a long time? Do you run into that at all? By one thing, do you mean like one company or yeah, one industry? one or? company. Going um, deep into this one company. Or have you managed to do that pretty well? I I don't really have I don't know if I have that problem. I'm trying to think about I don't really have that problem. I mean, I in the sense that I'm always reading the news about companies, so like in that mm-hmm. sense, yes, I'm but I to me that's a really important part of my practice is no matter what company I'm delving into, reading the news about other stuff and other industries and stuff just kind of gives me continual good practice, good information, good background, good perspective. But as far as going like, like I can't do numbers on more than one company. I'll tell you that. So no, I can stick to one company (laughs) for quite a while until that process is done. Well, what I'd like you to do is stick to one company until you throw it in the too hard box right? It just becomes too hard and, and you're not enjoying this process yeah. of digging into it. Or you arrive at a, at a conclusion that the company is not a wonderful business, mm-hmm. in which case it's a no, mm-hmm. or it becomes a yes. And it goes on your watch list. Those mm-hmm. are the three outcomes. What we, what we have to avoid in this process of staying within our circle of competence and not having it expand too fast, because organically it can expand extremely fast, way past when, actually I'm misspeaking. What happens is your sense of what you know about expands very fast, but you rapidly come into this problem of it's thinking you know something that isn't true. Because you have a surface level understanding of this expanded circle of competence. You have gotten out on the edge of your circle and now you don't know what you don't know Hmm. or what you do know just isn't true. Those are the two things that will kill you as an investor. And it's really easy to do as you branch out from Harley Davidson motorcycles into Polaris ATVs about which you know nothing. Okay. You, uh, now, me personally, I like to build Harleys. I like I've built a number of them. I've owned a Harley Davidson related company that did Harley Davidson touring. Sold that company, the largest Harley Davidson rental company in the country, Eagle Rider. I mean, those guys are good friends of mine down there, and I know a lot about Harleys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know much at all about ATVs. I think I've ridden one once. <laughs> <laughs> So just because Polaris makes a competitive product doesn't mean I automatically have competence in their entire company. I could make the mistake of thinking because I understood motorcycles, I understand Polaris. Well, and what process do you go through to let yourself know that you're getting out there on the edge? This is one of the hardest things to do. It's chart... 
Charlie's thing is it's it's what he and Warren have done better than almost any investors that they've ever known is to know when they're getting out there mm-hmm. and stay away from that. And so it's really it's a real hard problem. And so let's let's talk about it. I mean, one of the things because that I try to do. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say one of the things I try to do, I, I work with analysts who work for me. Right. And I require that they stay on one thing. I don't let them find the next flower to jump to. They've got to stay on it. And we beat this thing until it dies and it's a no or until it's too hard and it goes in the too hard box. And then we make a file and stick it on the shelf. If it's one of those two things, they print out the work we did, put it in a three ring binder and it goes on a shelf or it goes to a yes. And then we want to buy some at some set price. So that's the discipline. Do we do the discipline? Um, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wait, tell me more about that. Because what you just described sounds like what I do. So what's the hard part? The hard part is staying with one thing till it's done. Oh, okay. So tell me more about that. Why is that hard? Um, well, it's hard for me personally, because I'm just not that disciplined. I love to bounce to the next new thing and start learning about railroads and run over to Amazon and download every railroad book and start reading railroads. (laughs) And after I've read 11 railroad books, I start to get bored with it all. (laughs) And the other 15 railroad books are still sitting on the shelf. And then along comes something else. Right. Because here, let me, but, let me but step what back about to the actual railroad company that inspired all of that. Where did you yeah. where did you leave that in that whole process? Well, I actually got through a lot of those railroad books to a point where I thought I knew what the rest of them were going to say. Uh-huh. And I had I, I go through this process that I want to understand that I'm getting into a company where somebody really good is also getting into that company. Like, I like to know Warren Buffett is buying it or somebody else that I really like. So in this particular case, Warren was buying this railroad company aggressively, Burlington Northern. And um, I knew he was selling puts on it. It had been in the news that he was. And so just by sheer reading, this this company comes popping out at me, right? Okay. So wait, here I am. Okay, wait. Work, I'm working on company X. You're working and then on all of a sudden, your circle of competence, within your circle of competence, which is motorcycles. Yeah, or, or yeah. At that particular time, I think it actually was Chipotle again. Back then, it was. I've been through the Chipotle circle a couple of times. So, so like, but generally, I'm sort of like in consumer-facing companies, let's say. Yeah, and, and we're really digging in. And so, and there's how Harley when and you so like on. get onto a like oh through the news, I think a railroad is interesting, and Buffett's buying it, and. And, and oh my gosh, I want to learn Buffett's, more about that. At that moment, this is this is the crux of it. At that moment, do you say, no, a railroad has no relationship to my circle of competence? Or do you say, oh, I bet I can find a way to understand that? It seems like it's the latter. It is the latter. And it's terrible. And, and yet it's wonderful. Okay, so here's the problem. <laughs> here's the problem is that Knowing that Buffett is buying it is a time-sensitive piece of information, Mm. right? I mean, not depending on the company, it turned out with Burlington Northern, it wasn't time-sensitive at all, but I didn't know that. The stock was selling in the 60s, and I didn't have a crystal ball knowing it was going to go all the way down to 50 over the next many months, and I had all the time in the world. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. What 
often I find out is when I discover Warren Buffett is buying something, so does the world, and they start climbing in there without doing their work. And I'm scrambling to do the work and maybe not keeping up with the price, right? So that's always a bit of an issue. So by doing a lot, see, you said earlier that you do a lot of reading outside your circle of competence. So do I. So do I. I read a lot. I, I try to block a lot of time to just read. Warren said he reads 80% of the day is what is he's reading. Mm -hmm. And I think Charlie's up there in that ballpark too. And it's reading everything. It's reading anything. It's not read something specific. And that's when you run into these things. Like I ran into this thing that Buffett was buying Burlington Northern, that he had done a large options trade on Burlington Northern. I don't know that he'd ever actually got into the 13 Fs at that time before this came out in the news that he had done this options trade. So I'm thinking, holy smokes, he's really serious about it. He's selling puts and I need to take a look at this because, and here's the, the key thing about our subject here today, is because I felt pretty comfortable um, after 30 years of investing that I could analyze a railroad company. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. I felt comfortable that I could. Hmm. Um, From having analyzed a number of different kinds of companies Right. Many years, you kind of know how to go, oh, okay, well, let me start in this location. Right. It's not It's not a company that has multiple different kinds of companies within it. It's not a company where it's hard to figure out the moat. Mm. I mean, I get the moat of a railroad company right away, right? It's, yeah, it's hello, your you got example. railroad tracks. It's your example yeah. of the moat of the uh, Yeah, it's like the ideal. <laughs> exactly. And, and I, so this, several of the most important things were really visible to me, right? A, a company that's hard for me is a company where I really don't understand how they've got a durable competitive advantage that's intrinsic. Those are hard. Yeah, Those are higher true. bars. A, a lower bar company is something with an obvious durable competitive advantage. And then it just comes down to really, do we understand the future well enough about this kind of industry and this company in it? with its management team, that they're going to be bigger in 10 years, not smaller in 10 years. And if I can do that, then I can get around to getting at this thing. So that all was like, you know, one minute of reading this article. I'm like, oh, okay. I think I can get my, my, hand, my head around that. And then it was like, okay, let's try to really understand what the future is of railroads here in the country. And that's where the fifth, you know, the, the pile of books from Amazon comes from. <laughs> literally go on Amazon after reading the couple 10 Ks mm. of Burlington Northern, go on Amazon and download it. Send to me every book you've got on railroads, intermodal, all that stuff. And I really had a lot of fun reading that. And I tried to stay real focused on this for a while. Now, meanwhile, the flower I was on before is now sitting there while yeah. I wander into this new territory. And this is, my lack of discipline, you know, theoretically, I should have really stayed with that like other thing. It doesn't really sound like lack of discipline. It sounds like something came up that was needed to, that was more time sensitive in a way and that you switched over to it. And this happens every oh. week. <laughs> <laughs> There's always some, this is the beauty, of, by the way, of investing in businesses is that if, if because I've, I've bought real estate out there and I like doing that. The problem is finding something really good that's really on sale mm -hmm. is so hard in that industry. And you have to be so patient or you have to go speculate. Those are the two choices. And so what I love about this business is that I 
and this is what gravitated me to it in the long run, is that I have infinite possibilities. There's always something coming along that is fascinating and interesting and possible as a good investment, no matter what's going on out there. Because this market is so big that some part of the market is always in the process of collapsing and some part of the market is always in the process of shooting up to the moon. And, um, and that means there's always possibilities for a good investment as a rule one investor, always a possibility. And the most difficult thing in the world is to just stick with one until I beat it to death. That's so hard for me because I love reading and I love sliding. Oh, what's this? What's going on with this? Right? Yeah. What's going on with this? I mean, I'm reading the Wall Street Journal today and I'm reading, wow, Canadian oil sands are selling oil recently at like $20 a barrel. I'm like, what? This is oil's at 70 bucks, or it was. What? Why are these guys selling oil at $20 a barrel? And it's like, oh, because they don't have any pipeline to get it out of Canada to a port to ship it. They don't have any pipelines. They're full. The pipelines are full of oil. The trains are full of oil. The trucks are full of oil. And they can't move the oil. If they can't move the oil, nobody will buy it. The price goes down. So I'm thinking, holy smokes, do I need to look at this right now? Hmm. <laughs> right now, right? Because I've owned oil companies in the past. Do I need to jump onto this flower today yeah. to explore whether there's some great Canadian oil sand companies on sale. So I shot a picture of the Wall Street Journal article. It goes into my folder of things to do. And then I try to just stay with the two companies we're working on hard right now and not go there. But even just saying this, it makes me want to go yeah, there. Yeah, I can that's tell. You're fun. super excited about it. I know. It's more fun. It's a, <laughs> it's like, ooh, new flower. I'm, I'm such a little bumblebee, man. I'm just over here. And So, so how do you as, temper that? Or do you? I do by self-flagellation. <laughs> I don't know. I criticize myself on a regular basis. And I tell my analysts, don't let me do it. Hmm. Don't let me slide over there unless I've got a really, really good reason. Don't let me go there. And so having some people around me that are going to provide a little discipline because I, I'm their boss is one way I've come about countering that. The second way is just learning a hard lesson over and over again to stay focused, to stay focused, to stay focused and get it done. Get the hard work done. And it's always, of course, the last piece that's hardest. You get to a place where you're, is it too hard? Am I really digging too, you know, am I there where it's just too hard? That's not a black and white call. You know, it always calls for a little more work, a little more work. And maybe I'll break yeah, through. Yeah, totally. You know what that feels like, Yeah, right? well, so for somebody like me who doesn't have 20 years of experience behind me where I'm just going, oh, I can definitely jump from uh, one company to railroads to yeah, oil companies. To railroads, like, right? that is not what I'm doing. What's that? Do you even remember back, like, when you had only been doing this for a couple of years? Do you remember if you stopped yourself? from doing that or if you let it yourself It was actually do that? easier in the first years. It was easier in the first years. I was uber focused in the first 5 years. Oh, okay, that makes me feel better cuz I really focused. don't feel like I have too much of a problem with this. Yeah, I didn't have enough I didn't have the experience I've got now which opens the floodgates, right? I've got a lot broader view of things. I am a lot more confident in myself. Yeah. 
to be able to evaluate a lot of different kinds of things. And a lot more things. experience so the floodgates understanding different open. kinds of companies. So you can you probably are going, oh, a lot of companies are in my circle of competence. Yeah, and I'm investing a lot more money now. And as a result, I need more ideas. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm not Warren Buffett, but I've got enough money where I have this similar problem where you've got this cash and nowhere for it to go. And the ideas are all filled up. So, no, back in the early days, I had the advantage of being small and having very little capital and having a very narrow range of things I felt like I understood. And I stuck to those like glue and and did deals in those areas over and over again. Yeah. Because it just, to me, feels so obvious the second that I'm in something that I just can't relate to and that is too hard. But at the same time, you pointed out something that like kind of blew my mind because I never thought about it explicitly. I studied Whole Foods and then I studied Chipotle and I always kind of, I have thought of myself as having gotten outside of my circle of competence. Like I've, I've felt a little bit like, is this appropriate? And actually what you said was um, learning about certain companies then gives you information to learn about others. And I just realized, I mean, this is so dumb, but like, whatever, <laughs> you guys have heard me be dumb a million times. That <laughs> ship has sailed. Um, it's so dumb. But like the, the idea of even like same store sales and how Whole Foods calculates its profits is similar to what Chipotle does. And it's the, because they have the same kinds of stores and in the same kinds of places. And this stuff makes sense to me now, which is... I can't believe I never made that connection <laughs> until right now. Well, it's exactly right. You've just, you've just connected how your circle of competence is naturally going to expand. And so now that you've got enrolling, this expansion will become more and more rapid, and you'll have to guard against it going too it's fast. It's pretty cool that beginners yeah. have a one-up over experts. For I'm sure. loving this right now. For sure. For yeah. sure. All right. All right. Well, shoot. Well, you answered Let's, that uh, question extremely well. Stay in, stay in our circle in our and circle. be disciplined <laughs> and fight against that inevitable experience of widening your circle. And, uh, and it'll widen plenty fast all by all itself. Right. All right. That's enough for right now. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. Time Bye. to go play. See you guys. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information, show notes, and more episodes, visit us at investedpodcast.com. There's a special offer waiting for podcast listeners to attend my three-day investing workshop absolutely free. So just head to investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice because... I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it.